Hey, the world's full of fantastic music. Each month, we explore an album of significance, its roots, how it makes us feel, and then banter about its influence and staying power. Join us on our journey as we dissect, discuss, and discover some of the world's greatest albums on The Sonic Collective. Scientists say your musical tastes are formed by what you enjoyed in your teens. You hear a song, it resonates, and that style guides your musical tastes moving forward. There's those monumental albums you can still remember hearing for the first time all these years later. You like to remember where you were, the time of year, perhaps even what you were wearing, who you were with, and the smell of the air when you first heard it. Today, we're going to chat about just that, albums that influenced and changed our musical tastes. From Calgary, Canada, I'm Darren Scott, and with me all the way from Bangkok, Thailand is... Scott Coates here, and uh, we're excited to chat about this one. We've been talking about this for a couple months now. We took a lot of time to make an outline, just sort of letting it flow naturally. And this was a, a fun journey for me, thinking, you know, back probably to when I was about 15, I think. My musical journey in life really started when I started working at Lloyd's Recreation, which is no longer here, a rollercade in Calgary, Alberta. And uh, yeah, a lot of the albums I, I thought about went back to there. And I think that's when I really started thinking seriously about music and and when it started to make impressions upon me. How about yourself? Yeah, uh, I agree. I think I was probably at that, like, in my early teens when those, you know, I really started to recognize music and just be stunned by it, I guess. Like every now and then something would just catch your attention for whatever reason. I think, you know, now that I know I'm obviously a big music fan, like, I understand that I always had a, a love of it, but I, it just, it was, uh, you know, every now and then you just kind of have those aha, aha moments. And I think for me, that was uh, cool to recognize that when I was young and uh, thinking about this uh, episode and all the times you had those aha moments, it was actually quite hard. And you, uh, there's lots of albums that you love that obviously aren't going to be on here, uh, but for whatever reason, just something caught you in that moment, you know? So uh, what do you say? It's a, it's a fun extension of what we do monthly on the Sonic Collective, and that's picking an album, you know, we say of significance and kind of dissecting and thinking about it. And now going back to, to actually touch on specific albums that we chart in our musical history and makeup uh, is kind of fun. So if anybody listening there has one that influenced them you'd like to share, you know, hit us up on Twitter at the Sonic Collective or by email info at the Sonic Collective. Let us know what are some that changed your musical taste. So Darren, we're going to run through a few back and forth. Why don't you share kick one with us to kick it off? Yeah. And this one uh, to me, and it's funny, I'm getting not, not well, maybe emotional and that's interesting. Right. Uh, but I remember this super vivid, like I have some early memories of other albums. I remember uh, listening to the Beatles and Elvis when I was a little kid on a Mickey Mouse record player in Newfoundland when I was like five. Uh, and I have little memories okay. like that. But, you know, the one and I was a little bit older. Uh, this album came out in 1984. I was probably this is probably close to 85. So I was 14, 15. Uh, and it was Metallica's Kill 'Em All. Uh, back then I was going through a big, you know, I was kind of getting into metal. I was probably like Quiet Riot and, you know, Van Halen Jump, you know, in 84 kind of came at that time. I was more into hair metal, but I used to go to like Sam the Record Man and buy metal albums by look. And I remember just seeing this. It's like, oh, yeah, there's this hammer and there's blood. I'm like, this band's got to be cool. And I'll never forget. I was walking to school, walking by Dairy Queen, and I put it on. And, you know, I, the first song. Uh, blew my mind and then the four horsemen is a second song and i was just like what the fuck is Great this track. 
Like I just had never heard any kind of heavy metal, like the double bass drums going, like and just like the guitar, and it was so fast, like yeah. Anyway, Metallica's Kill 'Em All absolutely blew my mind. I just, you know, I just something it sparked something inside me. I'm like, I never heard anything like that, and I liked it, and I wanted more, and I just started to seek out more, I guess, harder metal or heavier metal. And I'm like, wow, there's heavier metal. I thought Van Halen went as heavy as it could, you know, like well, maybe not that sure. bad, but yeah. Anyway. So uh, what about you? What's the, What's the, some of your first memories? Then? I can remember almost everything about this moment so well. And it was when I was working at Lloyd's recreation, which I mentioned, it was an evening. So it must've been after a session ended. So we're probably talking like 10 PM and I was sitting in a guy named Klaus. Klaus was a few years older than me. He probably was only a couple of years, but seems so much older. And we sat in his car and listened to Back in Black. And I realized that I'd heard Who Made Who and shook me all night long, like at the high school and the junior high school dance. But man, I, I just, it was, it was probably like eight degrees there was a smell of there was a smell of cigarettes in the ashtray, oh, yeah. and I just kept looking at the album, the cassette cover, and it was just you know pretty much all black, but faintly back in black, ACDC. and I couldn't wrap my head around the singer's voice. I just because I was like, is he is he screaming? He's not screaming, but he's not really like singing, but he's hitting notes. It's raspy. And it's still to this day, to me, him and Bon Scott are like two of the most unique voices in rock. But that one set me on a path of then listening to ACDC and just harder music. But yeah, Back in Black for the first time. And I think that's 1980. I haven't actually researched the, the years. And that was ACDC's first album with the new singer as well, Brian Johnson, right? Yeah. And it's their biggest selling one. So it's, it's you know, we're not going down the rabbit hole this deep, really. But to have a replacement singer on a great singer, and that becomes your biggest album. But that one, for me, was a huge influence. All right, back to you, Darren. Yeah, Back in Black, man. Great album. Great album. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. And I have the weirdest taste in music. It's all over the place. And this next pick will show because I'm going back and I mean, uh, at the same time, I was probably listening to this Kill 'Em All album. I was also, I always liked rap and hip hop. We got our TV. I'm from Eastern Canada, Prince Edward Island. We got our TV from Boston, New York, and you'd see these videos, shows kind of starting up, and you would get some uh, rap videos. And it was Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, The Message. Uh, that album is from 1982. This would have definitely been a few years later. Uh, it wasn't like now where something gets released and you hear it like that week uh it might take months years to kind of obviously get to a place like charlottetown prince edward island uh but uh i'll never forget like just i i'd heard some rap and you know it's kind of that you know more poppy style rap and more approachable and i guess you know whitewashed um but i really felt when i heard the message it was just like broken glass everywhere it was just like it started and it was like actually a, a bad story about how bad it was to live in new york uh, at that time especially for black and uh, for black people and right now we're going through black lives matter um and it's still uh that bad but i i just i just remember that video and that song just like penetrating through me just like wow like this is intense like what's going on this is a very cool side of like that style of music and it just opened up my eyes and mind to uh like it and i always like to dance and move so i like the rhythm and the beat and i just i liked it all but yeah yeah so uh grandmaster flash and furious five the message 
Uh, what about you, Scott? Well, the actual song, the message too, like that, the the music in it, it stands the test of time. It's been sampled a bajillion times. Um, okay, my next one, I kind of came on to Pink Floyd late. You know, I, I'm sure I'd heard a couple songs and I was probably, I'm guessing, 23, somewhere around there. But I remember the day again very well. My parents lived up on Christie Point, which was all the way up 17th Ave up on the hill. And I was really hung over. I was a bartender at the time. So I must have been hung over from the shift before. And I was pretty new to weed as well. And I decided in my hungover state, I was going to walk to West Hills and see the water boy, Adam Sandler, the water boy, for whatever reason. And I had a disc man and I bought Dark Side of the Moon. I can't remember why I bought Dark Side of the Moon or what led me to do that, but I'd never listened to it. I smoked a joint. It was a pretty cool, I think, fall day. And I walked the few kilometers to West Hills and I listened to Dark Side of the Moon after just smoking a joint. And I just remember like, again, the cool air, but it just blowing my mind, kind of like trying to figure it out again. Like, wow, there's roosters and there's alarm clocks in this and there's a song with guitar, but then there's one of the most beautiful melodic songs I've ever heard. Like Us and Them still is one of my favorite songs but that album to have that experience like and again that is a an album right the whole package together yeah just the the sounds Mm -hmm. what an album could be and what could music could be i mean that really really blew my mind and opened my mind to music a lot more i just got pretty baked recently and put that album on and it is (laughs) awesome (laughs) yeah and i i also got into it late i didn't get it when i was young so what's your other influence yeah so next for me uh you know kind of i'm all around the same years here but uh i i live next door to this uh apartment building where a friend of mine lived and there was other guy older guy and remember he would just like dig clams and pick strawberries for a living. You realize now he's making like no money. And I think he smoked a lot of cannabis at the time. Uh, and uh, But interesting fella. And uh, he always listened to the police. Uh, and I'll never forget Ghost in the Machine, like uh, Spirit in the Material World, that one song. Like every little thing she does That's is magic is kind of the big single from that one. Um, but I, I just mm-hmm. remember that first song coming on. He's like, you don't know, like, you have to listen to the police. He just thought they were the best band. I, I was quite young. I probably 12, 13. Uh, I think the album came out in 81. So, yeah, probably a year later or something like that. Um, and just loved it and realized uh, synchronicity would f- soon follow this album. And I, by then I was just a huge police fan. But uh, Ghost in the Machine for me, just like that sound. Uh, that kind of ska, reggae, uh, Stuart Copeland's drumming just like blew my mind. And there was this other kid that lived down the road and he he was a drummer and he was just like, I love Stuart Copeland. Like he, he just learned anything. And the same kid actually threw a cra- crab apple in my eye and blinded me. What's next for you? Yeah, that's just to add on to that. It's a fantastic album and one that I've only really listened to and it's it, it fully in the last couple of years. And Three pieces are a unique thing. Like a good three piece means they're truly amazing musicians, right? Because mm-hmm. they all have to pull off their job incredibly. And I love Hungry for You off that song. The whole album's good, but Hungry for You is a fantastic song. Um, my next one, again, these are all on the classic rock theme at the moment, was Led Zeppelin Four. And I realized later that I I knew Stairway to Heaven because for whatever reason, they always play that at the last song at a high school or junior high dance, (laughs) which I still think is so goddamn cruel. It's not a slow song. It's nothing like it starts out slow. And so you're sort of dancing, then it speeds up, but it's an awkward speed you can't dance to. Like that's the cruelest DJ trick ever played on any kid ever. But so my first real girlfriend, Heather McCoy, 
Um, we met her in Hanf a couple of years ago and she lived in Okotoks. And I now realize later, like dad must have not liked me because I was over at their house. And I now realize you would always probably invite someone to sit down and have dinner with you, but they didn't. And downstairs they had a pool table and speakers from the stereo upstairs. And dad was like, yeah, well we have dinner, you know, just play pool and I'll put some music on for you. And he put on Led Zeppelin four. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but of course it starts off with, what is it? Rock and roll. Or does it start yeah, off right, with yeah. Black Dog? Um, I can't oh, remember what. I'd have to... Anyway, it kicks off. and Starts off played, awesome. Yeah, I played pool by myself downstairs and just kind of like, whoa, what is this? What's going on again? It just had never heard those sounds, had never heard, yeah, melodies like that. And I would have been 16 or 15, I think 15. So it was pretty early, but it definitely expanded my mind mm -hmm. to classic rock. And what I, I still think like the very late 60s to late 70s is absolutely the best 10 years of, of music. Uh, and it speaks to me. I love Led Zeppelin to this day. And yeah, that was a monumental moment for me. Okay, what's your next one, man? Yeah, Led Zeppelin, a good one. I got in them a bit late too, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Amazing. Um, the next one for me, and, and jumping, well, one thing, and I just said earlier that I like all genres or most, um, but I used to actually say I like pretty much all genres except country. And one thing in particular changed my mind. And this wasn't so much an exact album per se, so I'm cheating a little bit, um, but it was because this was Mr. Garth Brooks. Uh, and I was working in a bar at a time, tons of people I work with, and a good friend of ours who just passed away recently, Dave Oak uh, is his name, loved this guy, Garth Brooks, just loved him. And he's just like, you're coming to the concert with me. And I'm like, I don't like country, man. Like, I'm good. And he's like, no, no, you're coming, a whole bunch of us. So uh, we went to this concert. I, you know, I just went for the drinks and the friends and thought it'd be fun. And Garth Brooks blew my mind. Uh, he was unbelievable live. Uh, this was, sorry, his In Pieces tour. Uh, so that album came out in 93. This tour was coming through Calgary, where I live, uh, probably about 94. Um, and yeah, I just like, he was an unbelievable musician. And I love it when they play the crowd. And he was just like, head everybody in the palm of his hands. He was an amazing, like you could just tell how tight the band was, how talented he was. A few times he would just slow down and then he'd play some covers and even rock covers. At the end, his encore, he came out and just on acoustic guitar and played actually Led Zeppelin and a few other tunes, just acoustic. And it's it just like, I, I walked out and I'm like, oh my God, that's like the coolest country person I've ever known. And I, I never hated it. Like I like Johnny Cash. I like some other things, but I hadn't really liked any type of modern country, which... I realize saying modern now that Garth Brooks seems weird, but this is in that time. But yeah, that Garth Brooks, uh, you know, that album. And then it just opened me up to like, okay, there is some talented modern country musicians out there and I got to give them a chance and just not be so uh, close-minded when it comes to country music. I still, it's definitely still not my favorite genre, but yeah, Garth Brooks, kudos, man. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What's next? Well, hang on. Just, I, I think I saw him on the tour after that and I have a similar experience. Like, yeah, I mean, his, his, his concert was incredible. And I'm guessing now I don't follow country, but that was maybe the beginning of like new country or rock country. Kind of like he sort of put a bit more rock in the country, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah All right. My next pick, I think it came out in the summer before I went into grade seven. So I was living in Prince Edward Island. You were living there at the same time. And we realized we've probably passed each other. I was living in Elliott park and licensed to ill by the beastie boys came out. <laughs> and I can't remember if run DMC raising hell came out before or after this, but that album 
we played to death. And then especially through grade seven, I started junior high. I started music and I started playing the trombone. And I can just remember in the music room when our teacher, Mr. Fitzgerald, wasn't in the room, we would put on license till all the time. And if he came in the room and heard it, he would lose his fucking mind and run and grab the cassette because he said it wasn't music. And I, now being 47, understand how he, he was probably 40, late 30s, thought <laughs> that that sound of license till wasn't music because uh-huh. it was just completely new. It was completely unique. It had all these weird samples of Zeppelin and other bands. But yeah, that album, man, I played that to death. And that was really one of my first, if not the first introduce, uh, introduction to rap. And then, of course, now all those samples that at the time I didn't know what they were. And now I realize like, oh, that's Led Zeppelin and this and that. But that album, yeah, that really blew my mind. And I still love it. And I went on to, you know, buy everything the Beastie Boys ever did. Yeah, amazing. Beastie Boys are fantastic. Hmm. Okay. What's next for you, man? Uh, next for me, what's funny, you're, you're, we're, we're following genres fairly well here. Uh, for me, uh, this one, um, I mentioned earlier, I like to dance a bit. And uh, I loved dancing when I was a teenager. Um, and there's one album, and, and it's funny, in the Sonic Collective, we actually usually don't do any type of compilation reviews or best ofs, uh, but this was a compilation type album, and it was called Substance by New Order. Uh, and mm. I, it came out in 1987, and this was a bit of a compilation of their greatest hits, but realize uh, uh, this one, Bizarre Love Triangle, Blue Monday, uh, were on this album, and that was really my Huge. first experience uh, with them. And uh, yeah, they would be playing them in the clubs or the dry bar. There was a dry bar in Charlottetown at Myron's upstairs on Sunday nights. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, I remember like they just play and I just like, oh my God, like Bizarre Love Triangle or uh, Blue Monday would just blow my mind. And that album, I just remember just absolutely loving it. It was just such a unique, different sound. It was just like, it wasn't regular poppy dance music. Uh, realize we're kind of at the beginning of new wave here um, and alternative, but uh, I didn't know of Joy Division. I'll admit I love Joy Division now and I understand the history of that and where they came from, but I didn't at the time. I'd never really heard of the band. All of a sudden it would just be more in the dance clubs, but um, it was just such a different sound and a different uh, vibe than a lot of the pop music out of the time. I just blew my mind. And to this day, I still love New Order. I just recently got an album uh, from a friend and it was new order. And I'm like, Oh my God, they're super rare to find the original one. So I was pretty pumped with that, but yeah, yeah. Great album. New order substance, 1987. All right. What's next for you, Scott? Yeah. I just want to kind of go back to the title of this podcast. It's albums that changed our musical taste, right? Not necessarily our favorite albums, but Steve Miller band greatest hits. I don't remember the exact year where I was, but it was back again in the Lloyd's recreation days. I was, you know, around these guys that were a little older DJs they're playing music I'd never heard. And I have a feeling that I heard some of these on the jukebox at Tom's house of pizza. Cause I would sometimes go next door with the older guys I worked with just hearing like the greatest hits from Steve Miller band. Yeah. That kind of opened my mind to like this mid level rock, not heavy, not super light, which probably then led to listening to the Eagles or something. I, I just like, I still love that greatest hits album, but man, as a little kid, I heard Abracadabra on some hit express compilation album when I was real young. I think that was the Steve Miller band death rattle song. Yeah. This album really was a sound I'd never heard. It was catchy. It was poppy. It was a bit of rock. That was one that really stood out for me, Darren. How about you? What's uh, what's another one that, uh, 
changed your musical taste? Yeah, yeah. Steve Miller is a good one. You know, for me, uh, it's funny, in a, in a similar genre, but I realize these guys are making a comeback, and we've talked about these guys in the Sonic Collective a few times, but is The Traveling Wilburys Volume 1, that album. I had been experienced to some, you know, old classic rock uh, and knew of these artists. Uh, but And this is later. This is for me. I'm uh, about to graduate high school, uh, 1988, I believe it came out. Um, but I, I don't know, just uh, hearing this album, like I was never into slow, folky or anything, I would say, weird at the time. Uh, but just the way this album was written, sang, the, they were obviously also talented. It just like, again, caught my attention, blew my mind, and then opened up to me to explore all these other like, uh, I mean, I knew Tom Petty a bit, but I'm like, all of a sudden, I wanted to figure out who Jeff Lynn was. I definitely wanted to, you know, figure out uh, more about Harrison's kind of solo career and, uh, you know, Roy Orbison, like, and, and, you know, and even Dylan, you know, who we found out maybe not everybody likes in our group, but, you know, an amazing musician. And again, just like such a, an interesting collaboration, probably the greatest super group of all time, which we've had another podcast, listen to that one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, again, just Traveling Wilburys volume one blew my mind yeah it's one of my favorites second cd i ever bought yeah my next one is uh greatest hits volume one by herb albert and the tijuana brass and this is one that touched you and i at the same time and i can't recall who first played it i have no idea how i heard it how i was introduced to it because it was way past its prime then but i think i was about 22 or 23 i was in university and it really took a hold of me for a few years like I remember it, it seemed goofy at first and you and I, I can remember we would go to parties where we didn't even know the host well and we would just put the greatest hit CD in their CD player and just take over their party and next thing have everyone in the house <laughs> dancing to Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass. Yeah, you remember that. So I remember you and I would go into people's house party and people maybe we didn't even really know the person hosting the party and just pop in the greatest hits CD and just within minutes have everyone in the whole house dancing to Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, which is absolutely insane music. Even though I love it and I still listen to it, I still can't figure out like how was this style of music the hot sound at a time or how did they get everyone into this? It's because it's bloody ridiculous, but I love it. I've seen them in concert twice. You were supposed to see them in April of 2020 here. Hopefully it'll happen next year. But yeah, huge influence really changed my musical taste. Yeah, Herb, I remember those parties well, man. Like we literally forced, we're like, we're taking over your CD player and we will dance in front of you. And we had this whole thing where it would be like, okay, you got to get with the vibe because Herb will bring you up and then he brings you back down for a relax and then you got to go back up. And then by the end, it's Zorba the Greek and then you just go nuts. Yeah. Oh man, that that's awesome. Yeah, that is a fond memory for me. Super well. fun. What's your next one? Uh, mine, and you know, I gotta apologize for this, but uh, I've already touched on rap with uh, Grandmaster Flash and Fierce Five and the message. Uh, but at the same time, I guess now I'm gonna go about ten years later. Uh, in 1986, I think it was about in '89 when I finally got heard these people, but. Um, I was working at a 50s, 60s bar as a DJ. Fun, right? Um, I actually learned a ton about music because about Motown and stuff. But there was this guy that had moved from LA that came there and had this cassette of rap music that I had never heard before. And he let me listen to it. And there was this one song on it. And and I'm sorry to say this, but it was Two Live Crew is, is what we are. Two Live Crew is what we are is their album that came out in 96. And uh, yeah, they're uh, they're pretty raunchy rap uh, guys, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe like what I was hearing. I'm like, P 
people can curse and talk about pussy and stuff like that just like it just blew my mind and of course anybody that uh, is my age vintage not age vintage or older but may remember but there was a big uh this is the reagan era in the united states and they were actually they tried to prosecute uh two live crew for um basically being vulgar and pornographic type music and mm-hmm. they tried to actually ban them and they actually won that freaking case and he set the president that allowed basically any rap artist now or any you know spoken word basically free speech uh but it was upheld by two live crew fighting that law and winning in court so um yeah i mean uh it's a it's misogynistic now and i get that and you know maybe not the best music like at the time but i mean i was a teenager in prince edward island and uh consider myself a feminist but uh yeah i mean this music was catchy as fuck and uh just intense and crazy but it just led and then shortly after that nwa comes out and things like that so anyway uh yeah two live crew is what we are that Mm. one really set me on a kind of open up my mind to just like holy shit stuff can get real crazy yeah i think they're the reason (laughs) and as nasty as they want to be is the first one i heard but i think they're the reason for that whole parental advisory logo that started being put on albums right yeah that came out of that whole trial and stuff they needed they yeah. realized they needed a rating system it was that in video games too video games were uh, in there too yeah nuts. yeah interesting pick my next one is from a band you've already touched on and justice for all by metallica two of my best friends in grade 11 and 12 man they loved this album they would play it in the car and i fucking hated it man i thought they were just talentless ass clowns with the <laughs> same couple chords i remember just thinking it was like like just anyone can do this this is has absolutely nothing to it and it took me probably a couple of years to come around to it but once i came around to it then i really liked that album a lot like justice for all was huge mm. with one and blackened and and then of course i went back to the back catalog and like you said kill them all that seen that bloody hammer and then the song am mm. i evil and ride the lightning and all the other yeah, ones but that lightning. was definitely my first exposure to like heavier metal and was a big big influence but took a long time for me to come around to what about you darren what's next yeah on to me and uh yeah it's funny i've realized now i've had quite a bit of uh i guess rap hip-hop in here and another one that we have just recently reviewed um but to me meant a lot and i said that in the review but it was a tribe called quest people's instinctive travels and the paths of rhythm it came out in 1990 it, it, Obviously, I'm a rap hip hop fan. Uh, this is uh, known now, and uh, just something changed, you know. Like, yeah, there was all this like kind of like vulgar rap and all this stuff going on, or it was turning a bit poppy at times. Uh, you know, realize the Run DMCs and the the Beastie Boys and Public Enemy was even out, and it was raunchy and stuff. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just kind of, I think the first time I saw Q-Tip was, uh, you know, you think Groove is in the heart, <laughs> you know, really. Uh, was he, he in that? Yeah, he was, he's that background, you know. He does a little <laughs> quite background rap in the back. That's okay. Q-Tip from A Tribe Called ah, Quest. Did yeah, not know that. Yeah, there you go, from D-Light. But, uh, and so this album came out around that same time, and I was just like, who is, but his voice and the way him and Fife Dog, and just like, there was just a change in it. And now I realize it was, they were sampling rap. It was smoother beats. It was, they were about positivity, kind of Afrocentric and uh, just positive uh, messaging and stuff. But it was just like, 
the cool vibe and just their flow, the way uh, Q-Tip and Fife Dog would rap and play off each other. It was just so smooth. And it just, I'm like, wow, like this. And to this day, actually, my favorite style of rap is just kind of that cool beats, jazzy, kind of nice flow style. Like, yeah, that album to me blew my mind. What about you? What's next? Cool. I'm sticking to rap too here. Um, Power by Ice-T. And Again, I don't remember how I first heard of Ice-T, but I was in grade nine and then into grade 10. And I discovered the Power Album. And I even got the big poster like of the cover with Ice-T and his wife in that crazy swimsuit. Mm-hmm. And, and rightfully so. My mom hated that poster, but somehow <laughs> let me keep it on. And when she heard that album, she was like, I do not want to hear it. And I get it because like there was a song called Let's Get Butt Naked and Fuck on that. And to hear LGBNAF. Yeah. And I'm sure at that time, like my mom was worried, right? Like you're talking about the two live crew that it would have been in that kind of time period of all this like rap is evil. And she probably thought it was going to turn me into a rapist or something was legitimately probably concerned. I, I remember she definitely made it known she didn't like it, but Man, I listen to that album. And when I say listen, I'm not a lyrics guy, but I like listen to all the lyrics on that. And that, you know, okay, the Beastie Boys, I love that album. But this guy, I was like, ooh, Ice-T. I mean, he's telling stories of his previous life when he was a badass, but now he's a good character. And there's a bit of sex, but not too much. And yeah, and I, and I still, I've gone back and listened to some of his albums. And some of those early albums still stand up pretty well. Um, so that was a big one for me that really influenced me. Yeah, I love Ice-T. I saw him in Edmonton in 1990. I, yeah, probably a couple of years after this album came out. I might have saw him around then at the Jubilee Auditorium. I, I like <laughs> around there a bit after. And I remember thinking, I, I couldn't believe there was that many black people in Calgary. Because <laughs> I lived in the South and you'd see some black people. But the Jubilee that yeah. night was like all black people and me and a couple of friends. I was just like, wow, I felt like it was in a different city. <laughs> well, Hey, we're on the rap train. Let's keep it going. And you know, it's funny. Yeah. This is your last, your last one that uh, changed your taste. Yeah. This is my last one. This is my last one. And I'm going to keep it on the rap train because, you know, and I was just thinking to myself, uh, but really, if you think of the music industry, uh, the most recent really genre is probably hip hop or rap. Like that has really started something new and, and, evolved into its own thing so it's interesting that how many picks were but mine is kendrick lamar's damn um but i just uh hadn't been listening to much newer rap in a while and i kind of it just wasn't appealing to me there for a few years and it was just uh you know i get the kanye's and stuff and you know i don't want to offend jay-z but i just i like some of his song but i just was never a huge jay-z fan i just wasn't my style um, but recently, some of the stuff, and I even give Drake some more poppy, but I don't mind some of the Drake stuff. But Kendrick Lamar, I just decided randomly to pick up this album when it came out. This is about three years ago now. Um, and I just put it on and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. It was just like, again, just opened up a new door for me. I'm like, wow, like this modern rap is pretty good. This guy's got an intelligent message. There's obviously some thought and organization to this album. Um, th- this guy's got something to say. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of dove in and then I've since bought the other albums in the trilogy and just think Kendrick Lamar is one of the greatest modern rappers of our time. And uh, um, yeah, he's amazing. So it's just now I'm starting, I'm basically re-exploring rap and opening up to new kind of subgenres of rap because of Kendrick Lamar and others like that. All right, well, let's go to you. What's the last uh, pick for you today? Well, just before that, I hope I find a new rap album that opens the door to rap of the last 10 years like you did because 
I just don't get it. And you picked uh, that Kendrick Lamar album for us and it still didn't speak to me, but that that's awesome. Cause I need new musical openings, but uh, okay. My, my final pick. And again, I remember, I remember the day, the temperature, everything about this so vividly. And I must've been about 20 years old at the most, maybe 19. I'd started my first bar DJ job at JR Houston's. There was a waitress named Tracy. And she, again, seemed so much older. She was maybe five years older. And somehow her and I ended up going to the Castle Pub in downtown Calgary to play pool. And it must've been like a Sunday afternoon or something. I have no idea why we were both there doing that. And somebody had put on Killing in the Name of from Rage Against the Machines, Rage Against the Machine album. And, you know, I'd heard hard rock by then, e.g. Metallica, Justice for All. I'd heard rap, but I was like, holy shit, what is this? Like, this is hard-hitting rock music mixed with angry goddamn rap from an obviously white guy. And I walked over to the jukebox and I and I found the album. And, of course, it's the photo from Vietnam of the the monk who set himself on fire. I remember killing in the name of plane while I was looking at this album cover and just thinking like, Oh, what kind of crazy ass people would pick that as their album cover. And what is this sound? I really believe that was one of the first times like that hard rock and, and rap was put together. And, you know, then I, I, I bought the album almost immediately and loved it. Mm. I still love rage against the machine to this day, but to me, that was a brand new kind of sound and genre and, led me down a whole new road. I find it pretty interesting how I remember like the temperature. I remember the smell in the air. I remember like that rage. I can picture the exact scene in the castle pub like 25 years ago, but that's the effect music. When I, when I've heard that music for the first time that really went wow and changed me, like that's how vivid it is. The smells, the temperature, all of that, like it connects all of it together. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, re- it really does. And I find uh, uh, my mind just works that way. I, every time I think of something, oh, I remember that song was on or whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, what makes me a bit sad is it seems that as I get older, <laughs> uh, those albums, albums aren't as wow as like I, when I was younger. So what makes me a bit sad is that it seems the older I get, there aren't wow albums I'm hearing like when I was younger. And I just always wonder, is it that music isn't as good as it was before? Or am I older and my tastes have changed and they're more formed? And yeah, but I want to be blown away, but I haven't had that experience in a long, 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 long time. Yeah, you know what? I, I got to disagree a little bit with you because uh, I, I know it gets harder, uh, but I find for me, like now, I'm just like a voracious music eater. Um, but that's, I realize that I'm not normal and I, I love music maybe more than others. But yeah, uh, for me, I think I still like to try, but it is harder because you get stuck in your ways and you want everybody off your lawn. Get off my fucking lawn. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I think, you know, if we want to, like, 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 what if, like, if you want to pick one album that really stood out of the ones we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for, for me, I think uh, the first wild one, I have to go back to the one that still wowed me, and that's Metallica's Kill Em All. I'll just never forget that feeling. I just remember, like, blood rushing through my body and just being like, what the fuck? And I don't think I ever quite got that, and I've been chasing that feeling ever since, and I get it now and then. But, yeah, that, that one for me. What about you, Scott? What's the one you would pick? And this is, yeah, impact at the time, but I think also 
long-term change and that would be dark side of the moon again because just hearing that for the first time on headphones walking through a residential area to a movie but then that's caused me to listen to all kinds of 70s classic rock and then really also probably led me to where in the last 10 years i've started to listen a lot of softer atmospheric stuff like Brian Eno or just completely ambient atmospheric type music. So that one, yeah, spun me in two opposite directions, like hard classic rock and also atmospheric kind of music as well. So that'd be the the big one. But uh, yeah, this has been a ton of fun. This is, I, I think, the second or third topic specific uh, podcast we've done. And uh, yeah, thanks for doing it, Darren. And thanks everyone for listening. Why don't you take us out of this thing, man? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And thanks, God. And, and I know uh, that those are just our albums and you each all have your own and that's amazing. So enjoy that music. But uh, thanks for listening. Follow our regular regular monthly picks at thesoniccollective.com. Uh, follow us online. You can find us on all the popular podcast platforms. And uh, we appreciate you listening. So from the Sonic Collective, which is myself tonight, Darren Scott, and Scott Coates all the way in Thailand, peace out. Thanks for listening and exploring with us. We'll be back real soon with another pick and critique of albums that matter here at the Sonic Collective.